Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We'll turn with me tonight, back over, go over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 again. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We, we understand that what this is saying to us, or, or to put it, putting it in, in other words that would help explain it a little bit, faith is the assurance, the confidence, the title deed to the things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Faith has to do with things not seen. If, you, if, if things are uh, uh, already manifested in the physical, if something is where you can see it or hear it or feel it and so forth, you, you don't need faith for it. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And this is the thing that uh, seems to throw people off so often. They want to wait until they can see it or they can feel it or in, in some other way have it in the natural when it doesn't take any faith to do that. It takes faith to believe something when you don't see it. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by our senses. We walk by faith, not by our physical circumstances. Amen. That's what faith is. Then before we left this morning, we were looking at the uh, eighth verse. And it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Now to get the the background on this story, turn over to the uh, 12th chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. And uh, we find out in the previous chapter, in the 11th chapter, uh, it says, beginning in verse 27, this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. Now, oftentimes the uh, genealogies are listed with the eldest first going to the youngest, but there are other times, and this is one of them, not the only time, but there are other times when it starts with the youngest and goes to the eldest. And uh, so it says here that Lot began, uh, that he begot Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Uh, evidently, uh, Abraham was the youngest of these, two, these other two brothers. And it says that Haran then begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, Terah in the nat- in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Uh, then Abram and Nahor took wives. That's the two remaining sons. They took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. Evidently, uh, Nahor's wife was his niece. And, uh, but not only that, we find over in, in further in the book of, of Genesis that Abraham said that uh, Sarah was his half-sister. Now, he lied at one point and said, he's my, she's my sister, but the fact is, she was actually his half, half-sister. 
not the daughter of his father, but the daughter of his mother. Uh, the rules were different back then, okay? <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was a big deal in those days to marry in your bloodline, to, to stay with your own people. And so this kind of thing was permitted back then. And, uh, and it says that Sarah was barren. She had no child. Then Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his, his son Abram's wife, and they went out from them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now they traveled from Ur and the Chaldeans, which would be in uh, basically in what would be cent- uh, central Iraq today. And they followed the, uh, uh, evidently they followed the, the trail of the, of the Euphrates River. And uh, at some point they stopped at Haran, which would be in modern Syria or maybe over into Turkey, I'm not sure, but thereabouts. And, uh, and so they stayed there and it says they dwelt there. Uh, that means they, they settled there. Now, I, I said this morning that, that uh, probably uh, Tara was led uh, to travel to Canaan, but upon further investigation, the Lord reminded me of something today, and so I went back this afternoon and looked at it. Sure enough, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, The Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to land I will show you. Also, in the book of Joshua, talking about Terah, it says that, that uh, he's, when Joshua is talking about the Abraham and, and, uh, and, and the nation that came from him, he said even his father Terah uh, 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 worshipped false gods on the other side of the Euphrates. So Terah was a, was a uh, uh, pagan worshiper worship false gods. And the Lord had said to Abram at some point, get out of your country and from your family. And it says that uh, Terah took his, his, his son Abram and Lot, his grandson and their wives, and he traveled. It's, it's probably more likely that Abram was the instigator of that. Since it says in verse 1 that the Lord had said to Abram prior to chapter 12. So it's more likely that Abram was the instigator of that and that he, uh, the Lord has spoken to him. And so he, he realized that, uh, that uh, he needed to obey God, but he didn't fully obey. He left his country, but he took his family with him. That might give us an answer as to why they stopped in Haran. It could be that, Ab- we're just speculating, but it could be that Abram realized, you know what? I've only partially obeyed. Yes, I've left my native land. I've left my country, but I was supposed to leave my country and my family and my family's still with me. May- that might be why they settled in Haran. And then uh, over the- during the passage of time when they were in, in Haran, uh, 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 his father died. So uh, his father, Terah, could have been uh, in poor health and that could have been part of the reason they stopped it or it could have been both of those reasons. His father uh, was in poor health because he, he was 105 years old when he died and he was 130 years old when Abram was born. 
Okay, so 120 years old, I mean, 205 years old, according to the genealogy of those days, was not unheard of, was not that old. Abraham lived to be much older than that. Isn't that right? And so uh, they left their country, but they didn't, he didn't leave his family. So they settled in, in Terah, which Terah, uh, excuse me, Haran, Haran was about halfway little better than halfway from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan, a little better than halfway. So they made it that far and they settled and then eventually his father died in Haran. And uh, it said, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Well, he took his father with him. That's not hardly leaving his father's house if you take your father with him, not right, with you. To a land I will show you, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Well, we know that later Lot became a, 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 a what do you call it, a, a, a liability to him, isn't that right? Lot was not a person of faith, as it turned out. The blessing of Abraham did not come upon him when his father was with him. It did not come upon him when Lot was with him. The full blessing that, that he would inherit the land came after Lot. Isn't that right? That's when he really entered into the fullness of the promise. But the point I was making this morning is that he departed as the Lord had spoken to him. But the book of Hebrews tells us that he went out not knowing where he was going. Faith is like that. You never have the whole story. You never have the full picture. When the Lord leads you to do something, he will give you part of it and faith acts on what it knows. See, Abram didn't know where he was going fully. He just knew to get up and go. And so he started traveling north. And he said, the Lord said, go into a land that I will show you and I will give it to you as an inheritance. So where's that land? Well, he didn't know. Hebrews says he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. The journey of faith can be really interesting at times. But when you have the word of God, when you know God's spoken, when you know whether it's the written word or what he speaks to you on the inside, when you have the word of God, you can act on it. And you have to act on what you know before you get more. So Abram started out to obey God. And he left and he traveled not knowing where he was going. And it's interesting in the, I read from the new King James, but in the older King James in Hebrews eleven eight, it said that he, he, he went to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Listen, the inheritance comes after we go out. The manifestation comes after we go out, after we obey. The full understanding of what God wants to do in your life will come after you go out. 
After you take that initial step, after you obey God, that's when more information. A lot of people are waiting until they get the whole picture. When, when Pastor Angela and I left uh, our home in Jacksonville, all I knew was to go. And I knew where to go, but I didn't know what the future held. My wife said, we will go to Ramah on one condition. That is that we never pastor. Can you see why the Lord withholds things from us? Can you understand why sometimes we don't see the whole picture? Because we can't handle the truth. We can't handle the whole picture. Isn't that right? I I don't know what would have happened. I really don't. I don't know what would have happened if I knew that God had called me to pastor. Angela says she knows. I'm not sure she really knows. I, I don't really know how she would have handled that. I, I, she, she would not have warmed up to it quickly. It could have delayed things. And if it had delayed things, it's real easy to see how we wouldn't have a church today. Because I only went to Ramah one year and I intended to stay in Tulsa and finish the, the program. And after one year, the Lord said, go back to Jacksonville. And uh, I said, okay. Well, Angela didn't want to go back to Jacksonville. She had gotten settled in Tulsa. She liked it. To her absolute surprise, she liked it. She was thriving out there. She just enjoyed it. And uh, she had a good job. People appreciated her where she, where she worked. Now, the life of faith, she was, she was finding to be kind of interesting at times, but uh, that was new to her. But she was learning. She was uh, having on-the-job on the experience of living by faith. And, uh, and so when I came to her in March of that year and I said, well, we're going to go back to Jacksonville at the end of May when we graduate. She said, I don't want to go back to Jacksonville. Well, I, I just knew that's what the Lord said. Now, I really, when, I, when the Lord spoke to me and said to go to Tulsa, I, had, I knew what I was, why I was going, where I was supposed to go. And so uh, it wasn't so much of a, of a mystery. But when he said to leave Tulsa, go back to Jacksonville, now what? I just, you know, the year before, I'd quit a very good job. And, uh, and I knew I wasn't supposed to go back into secular employment. I knew God had called me to full-time ministry. Now, listen, not everybody starts out in full-time ministry. I said not everybody starts out in full-time ministry. A lot of times, people who will be one day in full-time ministry start out just serving in some other capacity and ministering as the opportunity arises. Well, I had been doing that before I left Jacksonville. I had a full-time job, had a good job, but uh, the doors were beginning to open to me. That is, every now and then I would have an opportunity to stand in a pulpit and preach the word and minister the word of God, and I took those opportunities as, as they uh, uh, were available to me. Uh, and so the Lord will start you off that way. But in my, in my situation, the Lord said, leave, leave Tulsa and go back to Jacksonville. I knew that I was supposed to go into full-time ministry. And uh, I had no idea what that would involve. In my mind, in my thinking, I thought, well, I will, I will uh, start a traveling ministry. That's what I thought. 
in those days, in the, in the late 1970s and early 80s, the, the traveling ministry was huge in the Word of Faith movement. You know, all the big faith preachers, with the exception of Fred Price and John Osteen, were all traveling ministers. And so I just thought, well, the Lord's called me to do that. I'll go and, you know, start a traveling ministry. Well, uh, at the same time, I knew that God had called me to Jacksonville. I didn't know for sure the rest of it. I just assumed that's what I would do. Well, we'd been in Jacksonville uh, about a week when I had an opportunity to come over to this area and, and to minister in a, uh, a Bible study. And since, you know, my, my uh, uh, calendar was, was pretty empty, you know, I had, I had, I had the dates open since nobody knew me and nobody was calling on me, I, I, I just stepped into that door. The door opened and I stepped into it. You know, sometimes you don't really have to have a, a, a leading of the Spirit. You just do what's available to you. And so we came over here, but the point is, we, we started out, at least from Tulsa, going. We knew where we were going, but we didn't know what we were gonna do. I had no idea. In fact, after I graduated, I talked to... Uh, I'd, I'd, even after I'd started, you know, in uh, coming to this area to, to Fort White to hold the Bible study, I still thought that was a very temporary situation. And so Doc Horton was in Jacksonville uh, that summer, and uh, he, he was he was ministering at a church in in my, my home church actually. And so I, I got Doc aside because I knew him. He had been in, in the church. He had he had preached in the in the Church of God that I had gone to because he was he was a Church of God. Uh, ministry had been ordained in the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee Church of God, and had been a state overseer, I think, in Georgia. And, uh, and so I knew him. He had, he had uh, preached in, in my church, and some of us young men, you know, we would follow him around after church because he knew Brother Hagan, you know. And uh, he talked about Dad Hagan, so we would go and just talk to him and try to glean everything he knew. And he was the only person that really ever preached faith uh, you know, in the church that I went to. Well, I was going to a, a Word of Faith church by this time, right before I left for, for Tulsa. So I went back home and uh, somebody contacted us about coming to Fort White. We came, you know, and ministered, but uh, I was still uh, home, you know, in, in midweek. And so I, I went to a midweek service and, and uh, uh, Doc Horton was there. And I, so I talked to him. I said, Doc, I said, uh, I, I'm really praying about, because uh, I, I didn't have any other options. Nobody, like I said, nobody was beating a path to my door. And so I said, Doc, I said, I'm praying about uh, just getting licensed in the church of God and start holding what they called revival meetings. I, I intended to go in and teach faith. And I said, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about getting licensed in the church of God and uh, just, you know, wanted any advice you, you might have. He, you know that, you remember, Doc, that gravelly old voice? He said, dear God, son, don't do that. They'll starve you to death. What he said, and, and I thought, well, here's a state official, state overseer of the Church of God, and he warns me that if I that if I follow that leading, I'll get I'll starve to death. I better pray about this some more. <laughs> and uh, and so I sensed that wasn't the right thing to do. Starving to death didn't didn't appeal to me. Angela's parents had had predicted virtually that we would starve to death. That's essentially what they said when we told them that we were leaving a good job, you know, in, in going out in the ministry. That was her parents' uh, concern because they had, they had been very poor. They had pastored 
for a number of years, when, when Angela was, was first born, uh, her, her, her dad was a pastor and up until she was, uh, I think, 15 or early teens. And, uh, and they were poor. Everywhere they ever ministered, they were poor, didn't have anything. And, uh, and so her parents were not literally starved to death, but they, they were concerned that we would be just destitute if we did this. And, uh, and so the Lord just, you know, led me to continue to come to Fort White. And so we did that through, throughout the summer and, and eventually we, we founded the church. But the Lord will, will, will send you or he will give you instruction. He will give you assignments. Uh, you, you might not be called into full-time ministry and in fact, the majority, the vast majority of people will not be called into full-time ministry. But whatever, whether you're in full-time ministry or not, there are assignments from heaven. God has assignments for each of us in these last days, and there are assignments that are especially suited to us. Now, you might not think you're suited to an assignment when you get it from God. It might not seem like it. But if you, this is why you need to become skillful in uh, obeying the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the more you follow his leading and, and you, uh, you have the confirmation then when you follow that leading and you're not absolutely sure, but you have the sense, the more you follow that, the, the, the more confident you become in that. And so the more, the more uh, you develop a lifestyle of obeying God. And uh, in these last days, it's essential that we learn to, to follow the, the inward witness. That's the primary way that God leads all of us is just with that inward, uh, inward knowing, just a sense. Just a, uh, it's, not a, it's not a knowing like the word of knowledge where you certainly you know, know absolute facts. It's not that sort of thing. It's just a sense, a, a prompting or an inclination to do or not do a certain thing. That's how the Spirit, that's the number one way the Spirit leads all of us. That's the way he leads me. By and large, I mean the vast majority of the time. The inward witness, secondly, which is closely related to that is the inward voice, which is not, it's not the earth-shaking voice of the Holy Spirit, but just the voice of your own spirit. Sometimes your words will just come up and you'll just get a, a, a direction and, and your own spirit will speak to you, do this or do that. Those, are, those two are the primary ways the Spirit of God leads and we need to become skillful in that, but it also takes faith to act on that to act on what God says and like I said the manifestation or the blessing the miracle comes when you act on what God says that's when the miracle comes that's when the answer comes the answer doesn't come when you just believe it passively and just receive it in your heart and thank God for it. That's not when the answer comes. That, that's necessary. That is faith. Jesus said, whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that is in your heart that you receive them. You have to do that before you have any evidence. Having done that, the, the miracle comes, the answer comes when you actually act on that. It, the miracle came for Abraham when he acted on what he had, not knowing everything. Well, the blessing came to us when we simply acted on what we had, not knowing really what God had in store. Amen. Go with me over to, we looked at this example, but I, I want to point this, this out to you more, more forcefully. Go over to Acts chapter 14. 
few, few sessions ago, we looked at this example. I want us to look at it again tonight. It says that Paul and, and, and Silas were preaching the gospel. And this was on Paul's first missionary journey. And uh, when there was a violent attempt in verse number five, made by the Gentiles and the Jews and their rulers to abuse and stone them, they, that is Paul and Silas, became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby. excuse me, this is Paul and Barnabas, uh, Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia and to the surrounding region and there they were preaching the gospel. So Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel in the areas of the cities of Lyconia, uh, Lystra, Derby, and the surrounding region. Now, verse number eight says, in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet, in other words, he was crippled in his feet, was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Now, I want you to look at this man. I want you to think about him for a minute. Here was a man who had never walked. It wasn't that he had, had become crippled later in life. The man had never taken a step. He had never walked. He, was, he had this condition from birth. He was born with something wrong with his feet. It says that he had no strength in his feet. His feet just didn't work. And he had never walked. And it says that he was sitting, listening to, to Paul and Barnabas preach. I suppose he was sitting on the ground. He might have been sitting on, if, if Paul and, and, and was preaching, you know, in Lystra, in, in the city of Lystra, maybe it was in a common area of town, uh, sort of a, a square or a city, you know, center or something. And so this man was either, either sitting on the ground or maybe someone had helped him up to, to sit on a, a ledge or something, but he was seated. And he was listening to Paul preach. Verse nine says, this man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. Well, how in the world can someone stand straight up on their feet when they're crippled? He doesn't have it. His feet don't work. His feet are not capable of supporting him. He's never walked a day in his life. One of the hardest things I have found to get people to do is to act on the word of God. People want to feel something before they act on it. I said, people want to feel something. They want to see something. They want some kind of evidence outside of the word of God. But remember, faith is the evidence of things not seen. This man could have easily said, I can't stand on my feet. Can't you see I'm crippled? Notice it says that Paul said to him, he says he observed him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Notice the man had faith to be healed. Where did he get that faith? He got that faith from hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing. So evidently what Paul preached had some truth about healing in it. 
because he had faith to be healed. It doesn't say he had faith to be saved. It said he had faith to be healed. It doesn't say he had faith to be born again. It said he had faith to be healed. Well, you know that it's, that it's absolutely true. It's not, it, it's not, there's no way you can deny the fact that most modern preaching of the gospel, the so-called gospel that most people preach today, would not give anybody faith to be healed. Most gospel preaching today either makes no mention of healing or if it does, it says, well, God can heal if he wants to, but, but he probably has a reason for your sickness. And to the other extreme that says God doesn't heal at all. Those two uh, 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 messages really are mainstays in, in Christian preaching and theology today. So if you go to most places and hear what most people consider the gospel, you couldn't get faith to be healed. Even if you had faith when you got in there, by the time you got through, through hearing them, you wouldn't have faith. It would rob you of your faith to be healed. So the point is, Paul must have been preaching something that would encourage people to be healed. That tells me that healing is part of the gospel. It was part of the gospel that Jesus preached. Everywhere he went preaching the gospel, people came to be healed. So healing is part and parcel of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is no healing message, to me, there is no real gospel. Or I could say it like this. It's better to say without the message of healing, it's not the complete gospel. It's only part of it. So Paul is preaching and he observed this man and perceived that he had faith to be healed. The man had faith. He had faith from hearing. Listen, when the word comes and you get the revelation of the word, faith is there. So often people are saying, well, I just, I, I, wanna, I wanna feed on it some more until I get more faith. Listen, if you understand that the Bible promises you something, when you see that, when you get it, faith is there. Faith is always there. Amen. What, what, what are people waiting for when they want to wait a little longer and hear, hear a little bit more? What is that? That's unbelief. Because when you know, when, you, when your eyes are opened and you see that healing belongs to you, it's time to act. You have faith to be healed, but your faith isn't healing you until you act. He had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed yet, though he had faith. Listen, having faith is not the whole answer. Having faith is not the whole answer. That's the first part of the answer. The other part is acting on your faith. It said that Paul saw this man and observed him and seeing that he had faith to heal, to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And the Lord raised him up. Is that what it says? The, the, the power of God fell on him and God raised him up. No. Paul said to the man who couldn't walk, stand up straight on your feet. And the Bible says he leaped and walked. I, I've, I've pictured this in my mind. Here's this man sitting, you know, on the ground or maybe, you know, sitting on a, a small uh, ledge or a rock or something. He's sitting there. And while Paul is preaching about the marvelous 
grace of God and the mercy of God that will save you and heal you and set you free. He's listening to this and, and suddenly he realizes I can be healed. God's God will heal me. That's what was going on in his heart. That's what was happening on the inside of him. He realized healing is for me. It's God's will to heal me. God can heal me. Well, Paul perceived what was going on in his heart. Faith is of the heart, not of the head. Paul didn't perceive that he was rationalizing, you know, certain things. Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. Faith is is in the inward man. Paul realized that something's going on off on the inside of him. So Paul, listen, the next thing to do is to leap and walk. When faith arises in your heart, the next thing to do is to leap and walk. The very next thing. The very next thing, right away, leap and walk. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait to listen to three or four more CDs. Leap and walk, praise God. When faith is there, when you know it, when it belongs to you, take your action, step out, and act on the word of God. How can a man who's never walked, walk? He doesn't know how to walk. He never, you know, even children with nothing wrong with them have to learn to walk. How can you walk when you've never walked before? You can't even ride a bicycle if you've never ridden a bicycle before. How are you going to do that? How are you going to walk when you've never learned to walk? Even if, you, even if you were well, you still wouldn't know how to walk. He did what he could do. He leaped. Just picture that in your mind. He's sitting on the ground probably or on, this, on a rock or something. Paul looks at him and said, Stand upright on your feet. Well, his feet, he can't stand on his feet. There's no strength in his feet. He could have very easily said, well, when my feet get stronger, I, I believe God's healed me. I believe God's healed me. See, he had faith to be healed. He could have said, I believe I received my healing. And when my feet get stronger, when the manifestation comes, I will stand on my feet. But that's not what the Lord said do. The Lord said all he had was faith. He had no, he had no, the spirit of God didn't move on him. Holy Ghost didn't fall on him. His feet weren't burning, you know, like hot coals of fire. There was no anointing flowing in him or anything. But the Lord said, stand upright on your, the Lord said through Paul said, stand upright on your feet. Well, what can you do? You can make an effort. I, I, in my mind, I've pictured this man sitting on the ground and just, what, what can you do? Just leap. I think that's probably, I think it's pro- it would probably be a hilarious thing to see. I, I, I think when we get to heaven, I believe we're going to get to go back and, 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 and run through all of these stories and actually see them exactly the way they have. Here's this man sitting on the ground. I mean, he's just sitting there. He can't, he can't do anything with his feet, his feet. His feet are all withered and, you know, he's never walked on them. There's no strength in them, so they're, they're just wasted away. He, and, and he has faith to be healed. And the man of God said, stand up right on your feet. Well, he didn't know how to do that. That's not something he's ever learned. He can leap. And when he leaped, he walked. What did he do? All he had was the word of God. 
The direction from the, see, the direction from the Spirit came through the, the minister, but it came by the Holy Ghost. Stand up right on your feet. He didn't know how to do that. But he could, he could move. He could try. He could do what, whatever he could do. And he leaped. And then he walked. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Go with me over to, let's look at this again. Look at Luke chapter five. I, there's a point I want to make here. It's become, gonna, I want to really drive home. Luke chapter five. Now it happened, verse 17, on a certain day that as Jesus was preaching, there, there, were, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Listen, just because the power of the Lord's present to heal doesn't mean anybody's gonna get healed. Amen. Amen. Because none of them got healed. Because when it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them, he just told us who them were. Who them was, they were, whatever. <laughs> who, who, who is the Bible referring to when it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them? Well, them who were there. Who were Pharisees, teachers of the law, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Jew, and Jerusalem. That's who the power of the Lord was present to heal, but not a one of them got healed that day. Just because the power of the Lord's present healed doesn't mean you'll get healed. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in to lay before him. They could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the housetop and let him down uh, with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power or authority, the word there is literally authority, on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the man who was paralyzed and he said, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Listen, it would have been the easiest thing for the world in the world for the man to say, didn't you see them bring me down here? Didn't you see them lower me down in front of you? They tore a hole in the roof because I couldn't get in. And, and here I have been lowered down in, in front of you, four people on the roof with, with ropes lowering me down. I can't arise and take my bed. I, some, I was carried in here on a bed. Somebody had to carry me and my bed. That's what most people, that's how most people would respond. I can't arise and take up my bed and go to my house. Unless these four people help me, I'm stuck. But the word of the Lord to him was arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Notice immediately the power of God fell upon him. Immediately the Holy Ghost came upon him. Is that what it says? No, immediately he rose up before them all. He did it. He did it. How could he do it? Well, obviously, he put effort into it. He made some effort, and, and notice he didn't say, well, well I'm off, I, I'm, where's your next meeting? Where's your next meeting, Jesus? I, I'm gonna get in your next meeting, and I wanna hear a little bit more of this. 
Listen, I'm all in favor of hearing. Because the Bible says people came to Jesus to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Faith comes by hearing. But I'm telling you, when the command of God, when the revelation comes, when the instruction of the Lord's, Lord comes, that's the time to act. Amen. He didn't say, uh, uh, give me a week. Let me follow you around for a week. These friends, they'll, they'll stick with me another week. They'll carry me into all your meetings. I want to get my faith really strong. That, that's all human reasoning. The man had, had no strength. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. Jesus said, arise, take up your bed, and go home. Immediately, he put action to it. Immediately, he put forth the effort. I don't know what that looked like. He's laying on a bed. That they brought a cot of some kind that they lowered down through the roof, so it wasn't you know a Tempur-Pedic mattress. It was some kind of a crude cot, and it's on the ground probably. So laying there flat on his back, Jesus said, "Arise, take up your Coleman cot, and go to your house." Well, I wonder what that looked like. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. He was paralyzed. But he made an effort. He immediately rose up. See, the power of God will come on you when you act. When you act, the power of God will come on you. I've had people come up before in the prayer line. And say, I, you know, I want healing. I, I want, you know, I, I have a physical uh, disability. And I try to get them to act. Amen. You have to act. Well, I can't do that. I've had them say, I've had them say I, I want to be able to run again. I, 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 that's why I've come up in prayer. I want to be able to run. I lay hands on them. I say, run. They say, well, I can't run. Well, isn't that what you came up for prayer for? Isn't that what you came up for prayer for? You came up so you could run. And so I lay hands on you and you say you believe you've received your healing. Now run. Well, I can't run. Well, when are you going to be able to run? When are you going to be able to run? Well, if you really want to know the truth, I'm waiting for something else. Act on the word. Act on what the word says. Amen. Immediately. He didn't ask for a cassette player. He didn't look for for another lesson. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, did what Jesus said, just went home, glorifying God. And they all got mad. They were all amazed and and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we've seen strange things today. But the religious people were mad. They didn't like it. Praise the Lord. The man with the withered hand, you remember him? Mark chapter three, we won't go there because we're running out of time, but Mark chapter three, there was a man sitting in the synagogue and Jesus was preaching. There was a man there whose hand had withered and uh, they, they knew Jesus had a reputation of healing people. And so they were watching him because this was the Sabbath and you weren't supposed to do uh, you know, things like this on the Sabbath. It's the very time to do it. 
Well, you heard me talk about the, the friend of, of Pastor Greg's. He doesn't like that healing stuff to go on in church. This man said, oh yeah, I, I know God healed the man, but I just don't like, I don't want to go, go to a church that I don't like people being healed in church. I don't think that should go on. How ridiculous. That's what these, that's what these Pharisees were like. They, they didn't want anybody to be healed on the Sabbath. They, they said, let him come some other, some other day. There are all of these other days that they could, you know, six days of the week he can come and be healed. Let him come one on, the, on one of those days. It's interesting. The man was, was however old he was. He had had a withered hand. How many, how many years had he had had that withered hand times, uh, uh, you know, six days a week for how many years? How many opportunities? There wasn't anybody being healed on the other days. That's hypocrisy. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. He could have said, well, help me. Lord, let me feel something. Give me a buzz. Let, let a warm glow start in my hand so I'll know you're working. His hand's withered. He said, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And the, the, the Greek indicates that as he stretched it out, it was healed. In other words, as he made that feeble effort, the, just not feeble, but it looked feeble. In other words, just doing what he could as he was doing that, it was healed. The 10 lepers that came to Jesus in, in, in the gospel of Luke. Where is that? About the 15th chapter or somewhere. Uh, there were 10 lepers that came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we want to be healed. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, the, what he was referring to in the law of Moses is that when a leper was cleansed after he, his disease was healed, then he would go to the priest and the priest would, and he would offer a little sacrifice and the priest would do something and, and uh, there was a, 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 a ritual and he would be declared clean now because lepers were unclean. They had to live separate from everybody. They were isolated. They were quarantined. They lived very often in, in leper colonies. And so lepers could not intermingle with other people because they were unclean. It was a highly contagious disease. And even if a leper met somebody on the road, you know, if you got close enough, you could see it was a leper because the disease was so devastating. But from a distance, you might not know. Lepers were required by the law to, to yell out to people approaching them, I'm unclean. How would you like to live under that? So that people would then know to, to make a wide, you know, uh, get away from you. And uh, so these lepers came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we want to be cleansed. Jesus said, go, to, go, go show yourself to the priest. Easier said than done. Number one, you don't go to the priest until after you're healed. Number two, you don't go to the temple if you're a leper. They would not have made it to the temple. Somebody would have stopped them. They would have probably been stoned and dragged out of the city. You weren't even to come into town, let alone go into the temple. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. What are you going to do? Argue and say, well, I can't do that. Lord, do something first. Show me something. Let me see something. Give me, a, give me a, a, a buzz. Give me something. You know, give me some kind of a physical sensation. You know, let me, let, me, let me feel goosebumps or something. Let me know that you're working. Jesus said, go show yourself, yourself to the priest. Listen, 
it says that they went, and as they went, they were healed. On the way to the priest, they know that they're in God's hands because they're not going to make it to the priest if something doesn't happen. They're going to they're be stopped. What did they do? They simply acted on what Jesus said. They went out not knowing where they were going, not knowing how, they, in other words, not knowing what was going to happen. How, all they knew was God said, do it, and they acted on what they had. The answer does not come until we act on what God says. It's interesting to me in these, in these uh, uh, illustrations we have right here in front of us. It's interesting that the Lord told them how to act on what they heard. I said the Lord told them how to act. A lot of times we, li- we, we hear testimonies from other people and we hear how they acted. They, they, somebody gets healed of a particular uh, thing and they'll give a testimony and they'll share how, how, what they did, how they acted on their faith. And people hear that and they think that's what I need to do. I need to do what they did. Not necessarily. In each of these occasions, the Spirit, through Jesus or through the Apostle Paul, the Lord gave direction and told them how to act on the faith that was in their heart. That the man had faith to be healed, but he needed to act. Well, how do you act? The Holy Ghost will tell you. If you don't, if you don't know what to do, sometimes you don't even need to know. You need to just act like the Bible's true. If you believe you're healed, act like it. I said, if you believe you're healed, act like it. If you believe you're healed, act like you're healed. Act like it. What would you do if you didn't have the, 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 the symptoms? What would you do? Well, do that. Now, what does that involve? The Lord will lead you. The Lord will lead you. Goes back to being led by the Spirit. Faith and being led by the Spirit go hand in hand. You don't, have to, you don't have to have the Spirit's direction to know whether healing belongs to you. You just have to have an understanding of the Word of God. In other words, you don't have to have Jesus to appear to you and say, my son, you are healed. You don't have to have that because it's in the Bible. By his stripes, we were healed. But the Holy Spirit will give you direction about how to act on what you know is in the Bible. Amen. And it's the same thing in life. It's the same thing in ministry. It's the same thing in fulfilling the assignments God gives us. Everything depends on acting on the word of God. Amen. As they went, they were healed. Abraham obeyed and went out, not knowing where he was going. And look what happened. Hallelujah. He traveled a little ways and... The Lord, he stopped and the Lord said, look around, buddy. I'm going to give you everything you can see. You know, a lot of people would have just stopped right there. He kept going. A lot of people are satisfied with, with just a little bit that God gives them. If God says, I, it, God told, told Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I will afterward give you, that I will after give you for inheritance. He went, and when the Lord said, this is it, he looked around, he said, good. Then he went further. He wanted more. You know, the further he went, the more God said, 
I'm going to give you all of this. Then he went a little bit further and God said, I'm going to give you all of this. Then he went a little bit further and God said, far as you can see, east, west, north, south, I'll give it all to you. Amen. He could have stayed back there in, in, in uh, 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 Shechem where he first stopped. He could have stayed right there, but no, he wanted more. How much more do you want? Hallelujah. God will give you everything you'll put you. God said, I'll give you everything the, your foot treads on. Every place the sole of your feet. Abraham thought, my feet are good. <laughs> my feet are good. A lot of times it's up to us. God, God says, I'll give you what you want. What are you, how, how good are your feet? How big is your vision? How much do you want? Thank God Abraham didn't stop at Shechem. Shechem, is that how you say that? Shechem, I think so. He didn't stop there. He kept on going. He went to, to, to Bethel and Ai, but he didn't stop there, praise God. He kept going, glory to God. He kept going, and for, he wandered for the rest of his life, never settling down, because he had something in his heart that was bigger than the earthly environment around him. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Glory to God. Listen, don't limit God. When he tells you something, don't limit him. Obey it, but expect more. Always expect more. God is the one of more. He's the one who will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. Always expect more. Always take more. But every step you have to take by acting. Amen? Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord said something to me this afternoon and about tonight. He said, there, there are some people here tonight that you are, I don't know who this is, you're facing some things that you don't know how to overcome. You're facing something that, that you don't know how you're going to lay hold of it. Your answer. And the Lord said to me to tell you, act on what you know. Whatever it is, act on what you know. Whatever direction you have, act on it. Pick up your feet and take the step of faith and simply act. There's somebody here that needs this tonight. Act on what you know. Don't think, well, I don't know anything. You do. If you check right down in here, you know something. You know what to do. And you've been talking yourself out of it because it didn't look easy. And you didn't want to uh, try to leap and walk and end up on your face in the carpet. But you have to act on what you know. So act on it, whoever that is. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and thank him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 I said last Sunday, and I'm going to say it again, we're going to see some things. We're going to see some things, praise God. We're going to hear some testimonies like we've never heard before in this place. And, and we've heard some good testimonies. We've had a lot of good things happen, but we're going to have 
we're going to have more and we're going to have greater and we're going to have things like we've never heard of before. Hallelujah. The scope and the, and the, and, 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 and just the, 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 the depth of it. It's going to be bigger than anything we've ever seen before. Glory. And I'm not talking about 10 years from now. I'm not talking about three years from now. I'm talking about where this is happening. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know this. I know this, that in the last few, I would say few months, you know, the minister very often perceives, just like Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. Very often the minister perceives where people are at, what, what level of faith they're on. And I could tell you that in the last, I'm saying two or three months, the level of faith has been increasing around here. People are coming forward with, with a, de, a, a level and a degree of faith that is greater than what we've seen before. People are coming ready and, and, and are receiving better than ever. Amen. The only thing is we need to put action to what we believe. Like I said, I can sense the faith level is higher. All it takes now is for people to act. Act on what you know. Do what you, what you, what you would think someone in your situation that didn't have that problem, what would they do? Amen. Hallelujah. Acting brings the miracle. Amen. As they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. As they went, the answer come, came comes ends up the answer comes when you act on what you know amen at impact family church it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of god we have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.